the Rich Roll Podcast. What's going on, everybody? What do you know? What's happening? I'm Rich Roll. I'm the host of this podcast, the Rich Roll Podcast that bears my name. Thank you so much for uh, dropping by today. I know you have a lot of choices for your audio entertainment and edification, so it means a lot to me, to everybody who has subscribed to the show. Perhaps you left a review on iTunes. Thank you for that. Whatever the review is, I don't care. Just the fact that you took the time to do it, that means a lot. And of course, for always using the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. The holiday season is upon us. You might have to buy a gift or two. That might require you to go on to Amazon.com. Well, it would mean a lot to us if you first click through our banner ad at RichRoll.com. You can find it on all the podcast pages and the main podcast page. It won't cost you anything extra, uh, but it will shake loose a little bit of loose change from the Amazon HQ coffers, and that helps us keep the bandwidth flowing. Everybody wins. So thank you so much for that. Uh, On the subject of holidays, again, it is Thanksgiving weekend right now. I hope uh, you guys are out on a hike. Maybe you're walking the dog. Maybe you are preparing your plant-based Thanksgiving dinner, whatever it is. Um, It's time to talk about what the holidays mean. What is the import? What is the intention behind this season? What do you want to get out of it? And how can you... Uh, navigate the pitfalls, the minefield that this season presents to come out the other side, not just intact, but feeling great. And that's really the subject of what we're going to talk about here uh, today. You know, perhaps you have to go to an extended family gathering. You're getting pushed and pulled to go to this event or that event, and there's pressure to buy gifts. Like all of this stuff increases uh, the stress level tremendously. And then when you're in front of Aunt Betty, And uh, she says that thing that she says every year and pushes that button and you react and then it devolves into something you didn't want it to be. What if you could have a different experience? What if uh, when she pushes that button, you don't react? What if you could have uh, a new experience, a more enriching experience, uh, one that is more fulfilling, not just for yourself, but for those around you uh, and for your family members? So Julie's going to come in. That's really what we're going to delve into more deeply uh, to kind of um, provide you with some tools and some resources to not just protect yourself emotionally and mentally and physically and spiritually, but to really enhance uh, this impending experience so that uh, so that it is uplifting rather than burdensome, which all too many people find it to be. So that's really the gist of it. Um, A couple quick things. Uh, I'm home from a whirlwind four city, two week speaking engagement tour. Uh, It was amazing. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that in the podcast as well, Uh, but just happy to be home, really happy to be home. I'm a little bit exhausted Uh, and Tyler, who is my son, he's the guy who generally puts the show together. He's the audio engineer wizard. Um, He's really sick today. I feel terrible. He's in bed. He's sleeping right now. I certainly could not ask him to (laughs) edit this show today, which I'm putting up the same day that we recorded. Uh, So I'm doing the editing myself, which is something I haven't done in in quite a long time since the early days of the show. So if it's a little rough around the edges audio-wise, if the edit isn't just uh, quite as dialed in as it usually is, don't blame Tyler. Blame me. That's on me. But I'm going to do my best, I promise you. Um, Before we get into it, though... We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. 
I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics. And just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive. And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, 
skin health. In fact, my 16 year old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily personally for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. You guys want to talk about the holidays? Let's talk about the holidays. Hey, Julie. Hey, Rich Roll. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, honey. How's it going? It's going really good. It's nice to see you. We haven't done an AMA in a little while, and uh, I just got back from this crazy whirlwind tour, and we barely even communicated <laughs> since right. I've been back. I know. I was really looking forward to today's podcast I so know. we could check in. Well, the running joke, I mean, it's we, it's so played out at this point because we keep <laughs> saying it, but yeah, it's like we need to do a podcast to communicate. But in this case today, it's actually quite true because I got in really late at night, and then the next day... There was work and kids and, you know, kids like Thanksgiving Day event at the school and you were recording your own podcast and before we knew it. And then we went out to dinner, but it was with a whole group of people. So you and I haven't had a one-on-one, like real conversation in person. That's we talked right. on the phone earlier today. So <laughs> this is actually the real, the first real one-on-one conversation we've had since I left town two weeks ago. That's right. That's true. So, well, in person. In person, in right. Person. Yeah. That's true. So yeah, it was a great trip. I've, uh, thank you for asking, Julie. <laughs> I went <laughs> Tell to, me all about it. Well, I went to four cities. Uh, I went to Atlanta first and spoke at the Food Equals Medicine Conference, um, which was fantastic. There were about, I don't know, 350 some odd people in attendance for that. And there was an amazing lineup of speakers, uh, you know, Dr. Esselstyn and Michael Greger, who I did a podcast with and, you know, kind of all the candidates, Chef AJ, John Pierre, like all the people that, you know, kind of the leaders of the movement were there. And it was the first year of this event, but it was incredibly well attended. Like people had laptops out and they were taking notes the whole time, you know, the whole thing. Wow. And Benji uh, Kurtz, who organized it, did a fantastic job because it was the first time that he had done anything like that, but it was really well attended. So that was fantastic. And then I rented a car and drove to Athens, Georgia. I'd never been to Athens before where University of Georgia is. And of course, home to my favorite band, R.E.M. Aww. <laughs> the B-52s are also from there. Uh, so yeah, I'm in Athens, which is really groovy place. Like, you know, beautiful college town with these amazing mansions and this really, you know, gorgeous campus. Um, and I'm just th- like thinking about R.E.M. the whole time. <laughs> like, <laughs> when I was 15, like the album Murmur, like changed my life, right? And I'd never been to Athens. And I remember as a kid, like thinking, like reading the liner notes of the record and thinking like, I wonder what it's like in Athens. Like, like I how can I get Athens, to like, Athens? What is it like there? Like, where does Michael Stipe live? You know, like we, <laughs> that you do when you're like a young teenager and you discover a new kind of music that really shifts your perspective. Um, and apparently... They own the band members, including, I think Michael Stipe still has a house there. A couple of the guys, I think Bill Berry and Mike Mills still live there. They bought up a lot of the old houses to preserve them, you know, for historic purposes. And they have a, uh, they have a vegetarian restaurant there um, that they own. 
I don't know if it's all the guys in the band or just a couple of them. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to that what? restaurant, though. It yeah. just didn't work out to happen. The only time I could go was early in the morning before I had to catch my flight because there were other things happening and it wasn't open that early, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, I got to speak to uh, the University of Georgia swim team. They have this amazing, beautiful natatorium um, and a really you know, successful swimming program, especially the women's team. They have like Olympians and I think they have like 20 plus kids who've qualified for Olympic trials. So, uh, that was really fun to meet the coaches and be in their like team room. And I didn't know that I was going to be giving a talk. Like one of the coaches is friends with Jack Roach and I connected with her. He connected me to her. She's like, come down to the pool. I'd love for you to meet the coaches. You know, the guy, the team's going to swim at two thirty or whatever. So I was like, cool, I'll drop by. And I thought I was just going to stand on the deck and say hi to the coaches and, you know, get a, like a look at the pool and be on my way. But um, I was ushered, you know, into the pool and then into the team room, which is this beautiful room with all these lined with trophies all over the wall and like these, you know, plush couches. And the whole team was in there and they introduced me and they're like, okay, now Rich is going to like give a, you know, say a few words. I was like, I didn't realize I was giving a talk, um, but it ended up being really cool. And then that evening I spoke to the student body. There was a organization, um, like two organizations at the university who kind of, uh, co-produced this event, uh, to have me come out. And that was really well attended. I don't know, 200 and 200 plus people, I think showed up for that. Um, and it's great. Like talking at colleges, like I've only done a couple colleges. I would love to speak, um, do more speaking gigs with colleges. Cause I think that's where you get an audience of young people who are really interested in the subject matter, who, who care deeply, and they're in the process of forming their habits, you know, their preferences, how they want to navigate the world, like what, what their food choice means to them, you know, what things like sustainability and compassion and all of that, how that's going to play into the fiber of how they're going to, you know, kind of grow into the world. So that was really fun. And then I went to Elkhart, Indiana, this little town, uh, not far from South Bend, Indiana, in sort of the north, uh, the northwest corner of Indiana, like right on the Michigan border, actually. Um, and that was really fun. It was a, an event that was um, put on, kind of hosted by a couple different people, but one of the main guys who kind of put the whole thing together through the Rotary Club was a man who uh, had been diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and had been told, of course, by all the doctors, like, you got to get right into radiation and chemotherapy. And he decided that he wasn't going to do that. He had caught the, uh, they had caught the diagnosis quite early on. Um, so it wasn't like stage four or anything like that, but he was going to do kind of what you did with your cyst. And he took it upon himself to, um, you know, read up, he read all the books, he decided to go completely plant-based and um, did all this sort of alternative therapy and it's in remission and it hasn't come back. So he had this sort of epiphany moment with solving that equation, you know, of food as medicine and, uh, and really healed himself, which is really powerful. And so he is inspired to deliver this healthy message to his community, not just through his own story, but through other people's stories. So so this evening was about like the beginning of that. Like, I think I was the first speaker that, that, that he had brought in for this purpose. And you're in a part of the country that's very much, you know, beef and dairy. Um, there were a lot of older people in the audience and, uh, 
And uh, I was on, I was unsure, like, how is this going to go? Are these people going to be receptive to this? But it was amazing. He pulled a giant crowd in this beautiful old theater, the Lerner Theater, in this room called the Crystal Ballroom. And uh, it was, it went really well. It was really cool. And there were all kinds of people that drove in, uh, podcast fans, had drove great distances to come to hear me speak, which is always amazing. There was a couple that drove in from Louisville, Kentucky. There were people that drove from Indianapolis, from Chicago, like amazing. You know? So great. So yeah, it, it, that just, you know, when somebody comes up to me, oh, I drove this far. Like, I just can't even believe that. It's you always mind blowing. Amazing. Yeah. And really so um, touching and heartwarming. The same thing in, in Atlanta and at the University of Georgia, there were people that came from all over and Lots of people wanted to know where Julie was mm. and very nice things to say. When is she going to be back on the podcast? Sweet. We love Julie. Thanks, All of guys. that. I really wanted um, to go. I just, um, I have five kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> so I, I did. I had an, I had Are you an counting me in that or are you no, counting Harrison? Harrison, Harrison you can, you actually. You include me in that. No, I'm not going the, to the include sixth you child in that. Was I on am the road. not going to include you in that. No, I need you as my sole partner. <laughs> So, no, um, Harrison actually, at his request, uh, he has asked me to refer to him as my son now, oh, which is well, quite beautiful. Yeah, mm. it's very, very sweet. And he's very a, for honored. For people that are listening, he's our nephew yes. and he lives with us. He has yeah. for quite some time. And uh, anyway, he's, he's, he's with us all the time. So, yeah, I just, I needed to be here. I needed to connect with the kids and... And um, it's been very, very sweet. I still have an eight-year-old. We still have an eight-year-old, Jaya. Um, and she's just extremely sweet and wanting to hold my hand and be with me all the time. And I'm mm -hmm. just soaking that up. So Yeah, that's the hardest part of the travel. I love the travel. I love meeting new people and going to new places. Like if I was a single guy, I could easily just go on the road and do a Joe Cross and just be in a different place. Like I like it, you know, like I get it's, it can be draining, but it also gives me energy. Sure. And it's so amazing to meet all these people mm -hmm. and kind of connect with them in a, in a real way. Um, but it's being away from you and the kids. That's the hardest. And the thing that, that really was difficult on this trip was missing Jaya's play. Like that mm. just broke my heart. She had a play that she was doing. And she was, I wasn't she was able to be there. She so. sang uh, something from Oliver in a dog suit. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me the video. It's pretty epic. Um, yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. So I did the event in Elkhart and then I went um, from there to Miami for the Seed Food and Wine Festival. And that was like a, you know, super hip event, uh, you know, that was celebrating the plant-based movement in Miami, which is really kind of seeing the growth of, of this movement in a real way there. And it was cool. It was very, like, everything was very modern. We had, like, fancy dinners and fancy restaurants, all plant-based. And um, the, the event itself took place in Wynwood, which is the arts district of, of Miami, where all the buildings are covered in beautiful street art and murals. And, um, you know, it had a different feel to it than your typical kind of, you know, health conference, which, you know, generally those take place in like a, a conference room in a hotel or a veg fest, which is, you know, in a tent somewhere, you know, in, in a park somewhere or something like that. Like this was super hipped out. Like it was almost like a very, you know, like part of art Basel itself. Mm. And it was nice to see kind of a modern spin on this movement. And I think that that has its place. And it was cool to see so many people in Miami, which, you know, even five years ago, like it would have been very difficult to find plant-based cuisine. 
or people interested in these things. But, uh, you know, I think they had 3000 people pass through there and they had a 5k run, which I did. And they did this group yoga class outside with like a DJ. There were like 200 people that attended that and, you know, got to catch up with friends. John Sally was there, had dinner with Gene Bauer. It was great to see him. Um, Miranda Pleasant from Thrive and Origin, Origin Magazine and Thrive Magazine. Uh, who else was there? Uh, John, the badass vegan. You know, like a lot of the you know people in the vegan movement. So anyway, that was the trip. It was nice to kind of end it on the beach uh, in Miami, and kind of you know I had a day after it was over where I could just sort of go for a run and mm-hmm. jump in the ocean and reset and now I'm home but I'm happy to be home and that's it for travel for a while awesome. at least yeah so, we're glad we're glad to have yeah, you yeah, home. yeah but it, it was like you know it was uh it was I'm, I'm paying the price because I'm super tired you'll but, recover soon you know, it was okay yeah so we have a lot of um interesting things we want to get into today it is tis the holiday season by the time you're listening to this it will already be Thanksgiving um, but you know kind of from here forward through the end of December this is the time of year where we get There's together n- with family and extended family. And it's full of cheer. It is full. It is very, very much Some full people of cheer. have lied to you and told you. It's full <laughs> of cheer and minefields, right? <laughs> and so that's what we're going to talk about. But before that, um, I want to talk about Harry's. Let's talk about moment. Harry's. Yeah. So Harry's, you guys know Harry's, right? They've been a longtime sponsor of the show. I actually just did a call with the guys at Harry's and they're super psyched um, with how this kind of uh, collaboration, this partnership uh, between Harry's and this podcast has been going. And that's because you guys, the audience, have been supporting Harry's, which is great. Keep doing that. Support the sponsors, support the podcast. It's all good. We all win. And there's no reason not to support these guys because they're doing a great thing, right? They're disrupting this broken shaving market. Shaving stuff is way too expensive. It's a pain in the butt to get going to the drugstore. It's all on lockdown, trying to figure out which blades go with which handles and all that kind of junk. Uh, It doesn't make any sense. Why overpay? Um, And that's where, you know, this is basically the problem that these guys uh, formed this company to solve. And they're able to solve it by just cutting out the middlemen. They bought this blade factory in Germany. So they're producing their own high quality blades. And by cutting out the middlemen, they're able to go direct to consumer. You can't buy them in retail stores. It's just all, you know, direct. And that way they can offer uh, a product that I think is actually better than any of the stuff that you buy in the store um, at a price significantly cheaper than that you would find in your typical pharmacy or whatnot. And the cool thing is they just sent me this care package of new stuff. Um, and, and a lot of this is oriented around uh, uh, the holidays. They're going to be having some promotions and some sales coming up. And so I'm going to talk about that in future episodes. But they wanted me to test out their new stuff. So they sent me, I'm going to unbox it right here. But I got like this cool dob kit and daily face wash. And they sent me a new like handle and blade. So check that out. It's uh, it's it's metal and it has this like heavy weight, but it's copper. Oh, wow. It's got like a oh, copper cool. handle. So it's really very ni- nice. It's nice, feel. right? Yeah, very yes, nice. It's very gentlemanly and bespoke, it's I would say. Gorgeous. So yeah, I mean, you just you can't really buy anything like this in the store, and especially at the price point with which they're offering it, it's just you know it's a great deal. There's no reason not to <laughs> you know be a customer of these guys. And like I said, I've been using them ever since they became um, a sponsor on the show. So their starter kit is just 15 bucks. That includes a razor. 
you get three blades and you get your choice of their either their shave cream or their foaming shave gel i've been using the shave gel but they just sent me uh, oh this is the daily face wash oh but i think i have the yeah they have the cream here so i'm going to start using that and i'll let you know what i think of that um, and as an added bonus, you can also get $5 off your first purchase. This is applicable to, to new customers with my code roll. So after using my code, you can get an entire month's worth of shaving for just 10 bucks and shipping is always free, which is huge, right? So go to harrys.com now and Harry's will give you $5 off. If you type in my code roll with your first purchase, that's H A R R Y S.com Enter coupon code roll at checkout for $5 off the starter set and start shaving smarter today. Not tomorrow, today. <laughs> All right, holidays. Holidays. How do you want to kick this Here off? We are. Well, um, we are definitely, it's, it's always funny to me how... All of a sudden, it hits. Um, Jaya was saying to me uh, last week, "Why do they already have Christmas trees up when it hasn't even Thanksgiving hasn't hit?" <laughs> and so we had the uh, consumer uh, conversations about how because they're trying to kickstart us to start spending money. So actually, it's been kind of interesting this year. Um, we have been blessed uh, so abundantly uh, by all of the love that all of the listeners have showered on us. We're feeling actually quite full and quite well. And we decided as a, as a family that we are going to have a non-consumer Christmas mm -hmm. um, to a large part. Of course, Santa will bring one present for the little girls. Um, but um, after Jaya had a freak out, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, Mathis pulled me aside last night and she wanted to have a private conversation about this. <laughs> None. Not, she goes, I don't want to have, she goes, I don't want to have a commercial Christmas. I mean, and I said, you mean a non-commercial Christmas? Christmas? Yeah. Uh, so there's an adjustment there's that's an happening adjustment, there. And possibly. this is not without precedent though. Mm -hmm. You know, so we've done this in the past through, and that was motivated as much by just being in. It was lean, kind of like a forced, no it was choice. a forced yeah. non-consumerism yeah, Christmas. We had a forced, non, yeah, yeah, we were, we just, we honestly could not afford to really, you know, do Christmas do the way we'd like. And we had to kind of adjust accordingly around that. Um, but it ended up being but one, of, up, the yeah, one of the dearest experiences we've ever a, had. It was a phenomenal experience. So we are going to experiment with this again. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the I feel a huge relief because um, we've sort of agreed that the large part of that pressure is gone. So now we can focus on doing things that are experiences that bring the family together, like making vegan gingerbread cookies, like decorating the tree with popcorn strings, like, um, you know, just taking it down a notch and simplifying it. And then we're planning, uh, there's some songs that are being planned, um, some performances, some uh, presentations, and we're going to split into teams and you've been gone. So you better get yeah, on I mean, it. Catch me up to You're speed here. Well, um, uh, I've asked, actually, Tyler and Trapper are working on uh, singing some harmonies together. Trapper's the drummer in the family, and Tyler's a singer-songwriter, uh, one of the three of us who are singer-songwriters. But uh, Trapper recently started singing, and uh, as genetics provides, uh, he has this beautiful, beautiful vibrato in his voice. And so um, I'm really excited to hear Tyler and Trapper sing harmony together because they're brothers, and there's something very awesome about that. So... Um, I think they're working on something for me like that. Um, Mathis has said she wants to be Trapper's teammate. She's picked him. 
Um, and uh, I don't know. We were kind of, other than that, we're waiting. Yeah, so but, the idea behind this, though, is that it's not that we're not giving gifts to each other. We're just not going to the mall to get gifts for each other. The gifts are all creative offerings that we come up with through our own inspiration and creativity, making use of what we already have. And it's mostly about the experience, about the sharing of experience. You know, it could be, um, you know, one of my, my desires is I, I really want to sit down and write some deep handwritten letters to the ones that I love, you know, and actually take a moment because when in my life do I do that at all? You know, it's, everything is so quick and it's texting and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm just looking forward to just some of, some of those sweet moments and, you know, a candlelight, um, ceremony on the solstice and, you know, just an opportunity to, um, uh, deepen our connection with spirit, deepen our connection with our authentic hearts and, um, you know, still experience, um, uh, honoring each other and enjoying each other, but just doing it in maybe ways that uh, will be more experiential and less materialistic. Mm-hmm. And how is this being digested by the young children in the family? Actually, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I, I think Mathis has like one thing that she really, really wants. So she's probably, you know, gunning for that and maybe going to present it. But um, I, I, you know, I think they'll be fine in, in the end. And it's not that, you know, they have grandparents and they have aunts and uncles. So it's not like they're not going to get anything, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's just this sort of setting the precedent that, you know, it's not, we're, we're just not, we're not going to do that thing that is imposed upon all of us around this time of year. Yeah. It's a crazy time of year and I'm not going to, you know, going to say anything that everybody doesn't, isn't already, you know, intimately familiar with, but at this time of year, it's almost like, uh, okay, this the train's pulling out of the station and now we have to do what everyone else is doing because that's what everybody does, you know? And there isn't a moment of kind of reflection upon, you know, why we're doing this, you know, why we're driving this insane consumer train to go to the mall and buy all this stuff because there's, there's a filial obligation to do so, or you're a bad person or you're, you don't have the holiday spirit. And so this is our way of kind of, you know, putting the brakes on that a little bit and, and, and really contemplating what is this holiday about? Like, what is the, what is the, the, uh, the, um, you know, the point of it, what is the purpose of it? Like we're here to celebrate gratitude. We're here to, you know, enjoy the people that we love, right? We're here to give thanks on Thanksgiving and it's a time to kind of celebrate and demonstrate that love. But we're in a culture in which the way that we demonstrate that love is through, you know, shiny objects and, you know, maybe there's a better way to do it, a more meaningful way to do it. And believe me, we've gone through our Christmases where there's been, you know, piles of plenty plastic stuff everywhere and you know if you're a parent you know what happens like that stuff gets broken or it gets cast aside shortly thereafter and there's just this unbelievable amount of waste and you're on the other side of it and you have this emotional hangover of like well what was that all about you know and it's fun and it's for the kids like I don't mean to poo-poo it like you know it's a precious time but perhaps there's a way to you know find a different approach to 
um, really kind of embrace the true meaning of what it's all about in your own way. Yeah. And I feel like even if you are, I mean, listen, people are, you're, everybody's at a different point in their journey. So it's like, this isn't any, you know, preaching any sort of, you know, protocol that anybody has to adhere to. This is just where we are in our lives. And, you know, if you, you know, if you've been blessed and you feel like, you know, you've, you, you're good, like you, you kind of have received enough, uh, in the form of material objects, and you know, you want to spread that around and give of that. That's great. Yeah. Then, then, I mean, what I was saying is that you could then even, even if you, if you are experiencing a traditional Christmas with, you know, material things or whatever, you could consider just adding a meaningful ceremony into the mix. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what if you had a candlelight moment with your family and, you know, shared some, uh, songs or poems or experience, or just basically shared from your heart, like more than, you know, two words, like what if you just took a minute and connected? So these are the type of things that we like to cultivate. And so, um, we have most of our family on board to participate in that. And Mm -hmm. we're going to, we're going to help guide the little ones through it in, uh, you know, in a good sustainable conscious way. And, we'll report back and let you know how we did. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's not about getting an A plus on the report card with this. It's an aspiration. You know, it's like you hold a frequency of what you are aspiring to do, you know, and when you have a lot of people in your family and we're going to get into that in a minute, um, you're not always going to hit the mark, but I think kind of holding that space of intention is a good place to kind of uh, be driving the train, so to mm-hmm. speak. And the other aspect of it is the service aspect of it, right? Like, are, what are we doing about like the giving back part? Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to spend like Christmas day helping people? What you are know, we doing? I don't know. I don't know. We had yet. talked Maybe about, we had talked about that. Yeah, exactly. No, I haven't, like. I haven't nailed it down yet. I mean, there's a, there's a possible opportunity to serve in sort of a soup kitchen, um, type, uh, setting with, uh, uh, a guru that we meditate with, a, a Himalayan monk, um, but I'm not sure exactly how that's how the timing's going to um, lay out with that. So right. I needed you to be home to confirm that. Right. So I have to work on my creative offering, and we have to figure out what what is the form of service, and which day are we doing that, and right. what form is that going to take exactly? We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but it's beautiful. We did it before, and and I think the kids look back on that fondly like they don't remember the year that they got the the thing that they wanted you know because mm. kids move on but you know i remember when trapper made that video that year. still you online know, like, you can see yeah it. it's hilarious you know he's and he remembers that fondly too like that's mm-hmm. probably one of his funnest memories of the holiday season like he made this really funny hilarious comedy video for the family to enjoy i was his teammate i know right and Mm -hmm. so yeah there's something beautiful of applying your creativity and pouring your heart into something uh as an offering to you know either one person in your family or the entire family yeah and if you're not consumed with having to buy you know five thousand presents for you know all these different people and extended relatives and whatever you're doing and um you're not caught up in all of that then you actually have time to actually be at home and cook some special dishes or some traditional dishes or make a gingerbread house with your kids or possibly do the gingerbread men or hand make your ornaments out of recycled paper or you know do something sort of interesting and fun and craftsy how do you exempt yourself from the kind of social fabric of extended family gift giving you know it's like when you're getting packages in the mail from you know your aunts and your uncles and your cousins and all of that there's a 
built-in expectation of reciprocity. Yeah, I just think it's communication and I think it's taking responsibility for what kind of experience you want to engage in. And, you know, there is going to have to be that dialogue. But the thing is, is it's just, I mean, do, you know, does anybody need like another sweater that really doesn't fit them that well or like some socks or like, what are the things? It's like the thing comes and it's not even really the thing that you need and it's, it's wasted. So isn't there a way to make an agreement and say this year, could you please just send me a card or can you please, um, you know, could we exchange in a different way or can we only give her, I like the, the, uh, the quality of only giving gifts that can be consumed. Mm -hmm. So, or that are completely, um, trash free. So a song, uh, or, uh, or, you know, a, a dish or food that you can eat or a candle that can be burned or chocolate that can be eat, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's a conversation and I think that, um, uh, all of us by the consumerism train as it takes off. I mean, there's some statistic that, you know, some families spend so much at Christmas that they spend the entire year paying off whatever they bought around Christmas time yeah, that's or a holiday. Insanity. And that's just insanity. Like, why do you want to be stressed like that? Why do you want to feel that pressure? You can show your love in different ways and in really more meaningful ways, the, the simple things that take the time to put together. Um, and you know, I bet if you, you know, set your intention and wrote somebody, you know, a love letter, not, not just your lover, but anybody, a love letter and really took a moment and acknowledged them, that would mean more to them than sending them a scarf or then, and I'm, you know, I'm the worst too. Like I'm the worst at like, you know, I, I, I never get it sent in time. And then I send it direct from Amazon and then it does, they don't wrap it. Like it's yeah. just, it, I, it just, it, it doesn't go with my personality. I've never been good at doing that. And, um, it just, it, it it's more meaningful for me to connect in a deeper way. Yeah. I want to disabuse the idea that despite the fact that you're an incredibly talented chef in the kitchen, you're not exactly Martha Stewart when it comes to like thank you notes and stuff like like I don't either. No, like it's I will not never like, like if anybody knows me, that, you know. I, I I used to tell my good friends, <laughs> don't ever expect a thank you note from me ever. Like when yeah. I receive whatever, I will look you in the eye and I will say thank you and it will be meaningful and that will be the end of it because I will never I used to try and it was hilarious because I would buy the cards and then they would just live with me. And four years later, they would still be in my purse or something. Torturing. I just can't, I just, it's just not in my makeup. I just don't do that. So. I've been trying to shift that pattern in myself. Like I got some nice stationery and it's sitting on my desk and I'm like committed to like just writing. They don't have to be super long letters, but just nice little handwritten cards to people that I've met that have, you know, touched me or Sweet. whatever when it's appropriate. How's that going for you? It, 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 I have yet to kick it off, um, but I'll, now I'm like, okay, now I can commit. I'll, you haven't I'll written me a note. <laughs> I haven't seen anything, you guys. Yeah. Not one stroke of the pen. Nothing. But now, if I do it, it'll be like, oh yeah, you only did it no, because no, no. you. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. It'd be good, but um, I think the uh, anyway. So there's an opportunity. There's always an opportunity. Um, we don't just have to go with the flow. We don't have to do what everybody else is doing you can make your own way you can be creative uh, and you can uh, create something that maybe will be unique to your own family a unique family tradition mm -hmm. uh, that is sort of off the beaten path it will require some communication especially like if you're listening to this you're like I want to do that that sounds cool then you have to have the family meeting and if the, there's a precedent of doing it otherwise like 
kind of untying that knot might be delicate. Well, that's or the same way with changing your diet or changing so, your lifestyle. But you I know? think it's it's a worthy conversation to have and at least to think about and contemplate. And it's been great in our family. Yeah. So that's all. It's going to be cool, I think. All right. So moving on from there, um, it's a natural segue into uh, navigating the tricky social waters of the holiday season. And um, it's that time of year when you're around family, extended family, aunts and uncles, maybe people you haven't seen in a long time, maybe people you have a checkered history with, or that kind of emotional minefield that you're stepping into. There's a lot of parties and social engagements that just kicks into high gear. And, <clears throat> you know, this is a time of year that for a lot of people is very difficult. It's, you know, it's difficult for me. I know it's difficult for you. And, and, and I want to talk a little bit about coming up with some strategies for how to uh, go through this process this time of year, which would, should be beautiful and celebratory and all of those things um, without coming out the other end, like, you know, scarred and um, feeling lonely and depressed or on the other side of, you know, perhaps a family explosion or some kind of dispute, you know, these kinds of things are known for cropping up mm -hmm. around this time of year, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the the ex explosions in the family. Or yes, I'm no, getting. You know. Of course, everybody. The, um, I think that all of us are mostly triggered, you know, at very, very, very intense levels by our own birth family. Um, and this is, you know, this well, is across the board. They installed the buttons. Exactly. They know how to push the buttons because right. they installed them. Well, right? I don't know about that. We'll see. I don't That's know. That's like if, a refrain in recovery. I don't like, know if they know. installed them, but somebody installed them, but it was definitely a perfect divine design, you know, that you were brought into this family to experience your life. And, um, so they always, you know, they say that it's, it's, uh, it's easy to be enlightened in a, in a cave, uh, but just try to go home and spend the holidays with your family and see how you fare, how, you know, yeah, that's like the true test quotient. works well, out for you. Yeah. So it's kind of a funny thing. Um, and, uh, for, I mean the, the, the overline thing that I always like to acknowledge, and that's very, very true for me is that you know, this time of year is in fact the, the end of the year. It is the dying of the planet is the closing of energy. Like, you know, it goes into uh, a, a point that is the darkest, you know, day of the year. And so just in a harmonious nature aspect, uh, it's not actually not a time of year to be out partying and singing and dancing. Like that's, it's counterintuitive to what's going on in nature. And that has always been the biggest violence that I experience this time of year is because this time of year feels to me like I want to protect myself and wrap myself up in a cozy blanket and kind of stay in and quiet and, you know, and have boundaries, have really good boundaries. And instead I'm, I'm forced to go into, you know, parties and situations with, you know, uh, maybe, maybe my most, um, my most intense relationships that exist in a human life, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like there couldn't be, there probably couldn't be more like, it, you know, if you're going to be seeing your family during the time. So, um, I think that's good to first recognize that. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you experience that? Like, how is this time of year energetically feel to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would echo that. I mean, first of all, like I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who, I feel like I could, you know, especially after just being in Miami, I'm like, I just want to live where it's warm and sunny and, and there's a lot of sunshine and light out all the time. Like I don't fare well 
when it gets dark out super early or it's overcast and gray and, you know, precipitating like that <clears throat> profoundly and negatively affects my emotional well-being. And I'm becoming more and more sensitive to it as I get older. Um, and it's at that point where it's like, why, you know, like I just want to be outside in the sunshine where it's warm. So yeah, I'm very sensitive to that. And at this time of year, I don't, you know, like I become very antisocial. Like I don't really want to do anything that requires me to go out into the world too much. And yet you're being pulled. So it's, so the first thing is it's almost like, at least in my case, you're being pulled out against your will out of obligation, like, cause you have to show up. And if you don't, it's worse than not going and all of that. Right. So, so yeah, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. And of course it's, you know, the, the it's, there's minefields all over the place mm -hmm. for how you can get, you know, triggered <clears throat> into behaviors that you're not proud of. So in terms of the first step, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that it is a loaded situation and not be like, if you have a history of stuff kind of occurring, you know, that you would prefer not to occur around this time of year, the first step is acknowledging that it's real, you know, not saying, Oh, it'll be fine this year or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Everything's cool. And just blindly kind of walking into these situations where, um, you're not like really in the moment and present enough to be focused on the, you know, potential severity of what can occur emotionally. Right. Mm -hmm. So acknowledgement, right. Mm -hmm. Like, so being aware. And then from there, it's about, um, creating healthy boundaries, you know, just because you're invited to this or that, you don't have to go and you're not a bad person if you don't go. Like sometimes self-care requires you to exempt yourself from a situation. Like if it, if you really feel like your emotional well-being will be impaired or threatened by going to some social scenario that's loaded for you, I think it's okay to like not go, mm -hmm. you know? It's all in how you handle the, the opting out, right? Like you it, it requires, you know, maybe some advanced communication skills to be able to convey why you're not going in a gracious way that doesn't create its own drama. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I think I found myself in this situation before too. It's like, you know, I know that I'm supposed to go every other year I did go, but this is what happens. This is what happens to me. This is what happens to them. And I'm not, I'm just not going to do it this year, not out of anger or resentment. I think it's important what your motivations are behind it, what your intention is, but just to say, I need to take care of myself this year. And this year, like I'm going to, you know, sort of act on that and not get pulled into all these directions and play defense, but to actually be more in control of how I'm expending my energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. And I feel that also authentic to um, uh, living your authentic heart and in alignment with living, you know, your authentic purpose and what you came here to experience, uh, a really powerful, powerful practice is to separate the shoulds from the wants and really take a, like a clear look at that. And really in this space of, 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 of living this type of lifestyle, um, the should should be eliminated. So, um, you should be, you should, <laughs> you, you would benefit from, uh, really experiencing things from a level of, of really doing the things that you want to do and being very, very clear about that. Because I feel like when we do things that we should do, uh, it's for the wrong reason. It has the wrong intention and it's laced with, 
just qualities and energies that are not in your best interest and therefore not in the best interest of everyone else around you. Meditation has been a recurring theme on this podcast, dating back to its beginnings. And in conversation always leads people to asking me about the best way to begin. There are no shortage of modalities of resources and apps available. I have experience with many of them, but my mainstay, I have to say, the one that I have found most useful is waking up. It's this unique treasure trove of wisdom that has become so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, it's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try waking up for free. Plus, you'll save $30 on the in-app price. If price is a concern, Waking Up offers the app for free, astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com slash richroll to start your free month today. That's wakingup.com slash richroll. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. 
It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Yeah, I think what confuses this mental calculus and decision-making process is a misunderstanding of selfishness, right? Because somebody will say, well, I should go to this because you know, this is my family and, or, or this is like whatever, you know, so it would be selfish to not go and I'm not a selfish person. So I'm going to go, but sometimes, uh, selfishness is actually the most compassionate thing you can do, uh, to exercise, you know, self care can be characterized as selfish, which has a, sort of a negative pejorative connotation to it, but is actually a healthy thing for you to do. And it might be the best thing for everybody involved, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a case by case thing. And only you, you know, in your heart of heart hearts knows where that balance lies, like where the fulcrum, fulcrum point is on that. Um, but just because you're not going to go to a party or a certain event that you've been invited to, or there's an expectation that you're going to attend does not make you selfish or a bad person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I love to use the word, one of my favorite words for that is selfful. So again, in, in spiritual practice and when we're seeking and we're, you know, we're, we're studying and we're wanting to connect with something that's more expanded and, and more compassionate outside of our human form. A lot of times I believe in the early stages, we feel that being spiritual means that means we should sacrifice ourselves or, um, or do things we don't want to do or do things that don't feel good to us because we feel that if we were a spiritual quote person, we, we would be able to engage in that kind of activity. But the problem is, is that you're, if you're not really there and it's not really an authentic expression, um, it doesn't fruit that compassion. It fruits issues and problems because it's not pure. It's not in alignment. It's not harmonious. Um, yeah, so. it, it, an analogy would be, you know, if you're, look, if you're like, you're a newly sober person right out of rehab, like you probably shouldn't go to a bar, you know, like why would you, you know, why would you put yourself in that situation? Oh, well I was invited and it was my friends and my family and I felt like I should go. There was an expectation for me to be there or whatever, but that's not self-care. Like that's putting you in harm's way and that's in nobody's interest, right? Now, maybe years down the line when you've done a lot of work in sobriety, et cetera, you can walk into that, that venue and you're not triggered and it's not a problem because you've done the adequate amount of work to be able to handle that. So similarly, that can be, you know, it's, it's a similar situation with the holiday season and these parties. Like if you're not, if you don't feel like you've done enough work around these issues that trigger you, then it's probably not in your best interest or anybody else's best interest to insert yourself into that equation that's potentially explosive. Mm -hmm. Now, when you've done enough work and kind of resolved some of these issues or come to terms with them or made peace with yourself and these other people, yeah, then you can go and you create a healthy boundary around yourself and you can navigate that with grace and love and all the rest. So it's kind of where you're at 
um, with these people in your life, with your own emotional, you know, well-being, etc. Yes, true. And what about those times of life where we get pulled into situations or we 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 can't find a way to avoid it and we step into an interaction with somebody where we are triggered beyond right like so, it's that trigger that just consumes you and you know it's completely um uh, uh just sort of taken over your entire uh being <laughs> right so so the first part of like this conversation has been about um you know, whether or not to go. So let's now, the next step is, okay, you are going to go to one of these events or family occasions or whatever it is, social, a social thing around the holiday. Right. Or let's, it could even be like a conversation or you could even just not be in their presence. You know, it could have been a phone conversation or a letter or anything, but you're, you're in this situation where you've, you've stepped on the landmine has. Well, even before the landmine, what, let's just talk about like, let's say you're consciously making a decision to enter into one of these places. Like, what can you do to, like, uh, take out an insurance policy for the best possible outcome? Well, the first thing that I would do is I would um, sit down in a quiet place and I would connect with my breath. And I would take a moment and set an intention, a, a kind of prayer, if you will, where I would um, open a, a space uh, of communication um, with the highest self of the other person. And I would um, ask for the highest divine exchange between me and the person of the trigger. Um, and that may mean uh, actually uh, removing any connections between the two of us. Uh, because if it's not, uh, if it's not in a space of resolution, that might it might not be appropriate at that time, but it would be actually not just walking in completely open with no regard. When you know this energy is sitting there, you want to walk into the situation by first, um, connecting, um, imagining yourself like just a very simple, uh, visualization would be imagine yourself surrounded by a bubble of light. Um, and actually, you know, visualize your boundaries so when you go in you're in a a better um, emotional state and energetic state to interact in a neutral loving compassionate exchange with this energy right so the more meditation that you're doing and the more visualization you're doing uh, the more kind of preparation around these things that you can do internally the better position you're going to be in to be able to kind of field what comes at you. So what Julie's really talking about is like sealing your energy field, right? When you imagine this bubble around yourself, it's really like a three-dimensional, like, you know, force field where you can kind of visualize, okay, um, I don't need to let this energy in, right? Because when, you, when you're in a social situation, when you're in the world, you can't control what is going on around you. You can't control what people are going to say to you or what they're going to do. The only thing that you have domain over is how you are going to react to those things, right? You have a choice. When we go into these loaded scenarios, that period of time between you know the, the stimuli coming at you and your reaction gets shrunk, right? Because you get triggered by, by these deep emotional sort of chords that you've had your whole life where somebody says something to you and it activates you and there's no thought involved. You just react, right? So the visualization and the mindfulness practices and kind of really contemplating that field that you're, that you're, you know, 
protecting yourself with is about expanding that window of time so that you can have that moment of reflection enough to recognize what's coming at you and to make the decision to not do what you always do to take the contrary action and either not react or react in a different way than you traditionally react, which, you know, takes you down that road that you've been down too many times already in your life. Mm -hmm. And so after you've done that and, and let's say that, uh, you get triggered, the trigger is there. So even if you've sealed yourself, you've gone into the situation or you've had the interaction and there is that familiar trigger. There it is again. You could predict it. You knew it was coming. Uh, you've seen it over and over and over in your lifetime. And suddenly you're in this, in this spot, um, with a person and you are completely, annoyed and yeah, Aunt Betty's feel, gonna say so what when are you getting a real job or you know whatever or when it are you is. getting married you know? or when are you gonna have kids yeah. or you know whatever it is and, and at that point you know most of us what we do is we look for someone to validate our pain so we're gonna call somebody that we love or who we feel safe with and we're gonna tell them how annoying Aunt Betty is and we're gonna recount the entire situation, you know, detail by detail, and we're gonna we're really gonna present our experience so that the person that we're speaking to is just like, Oh my god, like I'm so with you. That is so annoying. Like she is so annoying and so unevolved and you are totally right and you know, I, I don't even know how you can be in that family. And then suddenly like your, your pain body feels kind of good. If it's feeling better because it was heard and it was able to vent and able to sort of, you know, do something with this pain that you're sitting with. Um, and that's great. I mean, we, we all need that as human beings. We all need a shoulder to cry on or, or a good friend to just vent. Like sometimes you're just like, I just need to vent. Like I just need to say this and just get it out there. And that's fine. Um, but what I would like to, um, sort of explore today a little bit for a few minutes on the podcast is, is, is taking a little, uh, little wider view. So, um, that's okay. So you vented, but, but now let's take a little expanded perspective. So if you pull out of that situation and take more of a bird's eye view and you can take a perspective that, um, you are responsible for your life. So we all incarnate, uh, in soul groups, um, we make an agreement outside of the body before we come in to experience a certain set of circumstances that are all self-created or self-designed for our own evolution, for our own transformation. And where we get caught, if we never move out of the blame and take responsibility for our own life, um, we, can, we can't transform out of that and that pattern cannot heal. And so, um, it's a wonderful opportunity when you have these triggers in your life, especially the ones that are very, very, very intense, because these individuals as annoying as they are, and as much as you know, you think that you just can't even believe that they're in your life at some point, they are in fact, some of your greatest teachers, because within that experience, there is this opportunity of deep, deep transformation. And by taking responsibility for your life, instead of being a victim, you already shift the opportunity in that. And so there is an, a, there is quite an opportunity to, um, to then take a practice, take the time 
to go into the pain, go into the discomfort, sit in meditation and become an observer of what's going on in your body and really turn the magnifying glass back on yourself and ask, what is this teaching me? What is it within me that's getting triggered? Like, how is this happening? Like, I don't even care about Aunt Betty. Like, what exactly what is happening? And if you can become an explorer and you can become really curious, you can start to identify things within yourself that need to be released and transformed. And by, by experiencing that and choosing that as your experience, um, there is, is great healing available um, to you, to the other person, to the exchange within you, and then ultimately to humanity at large because it affects everything when mm-hmm. you heal and release these things. Right. So in a real practical sense, to like use the analogy of Aunt Betty, let's so you're at the party, Aunt Betty says, you know, when are you going to get married again? You know, like she says it every year. And you told yourself you weren't going to get activated because you knew she was going to ask you. And she asks you and you, you know, you react again, like just because you're on autopilot. So all your best intentions are thrown out the window. And here you are having the same argument that you've had every year. And you go home and you feel lousy about yourself because you feel like, why did I do that again? So you're beating yourself up, but you're also harboring this resentment against Aunt Betty because why can't she see me the way that I want to see? And so when you're talking about that process of unpacking that and taking that, that, that microscope or that magnifying glass and turning it on yourself, the questions that you're going to be asking are, well, why is it that it's so upsetting to me that Aunt Betty wants to know when I'm going to get married? Is it because she doesn't see me as a valid person without that. So she's not, she's not like recognizing me as having value outside of a relationship. Is it that I'm afraid maybe I won't get married and that's what I desperately want? Like what is behind that? It could be any number of things, but I think you have to answer that question first and then try to understand well, why is that loaded for me? Why is that, you know, why is that such a, uh, a boiling point for me? And the digger, the, you know, the, the deeper you dig, the more you're going to, discover about yourself and that can be uncomfortable but that's the process that ultimately is going to free you so the following year you can go in and aunt betty can say whatever she wants to say and it doesn't hold any power over you anymore so it's a process of of uh of taking your power back and not giving your power away to all of these people and so you'll hear like self-help gurus are always like don't give people your power you know hold that power yourself and that's great and that's that's true but how do you do that? You know, especially when it's so deeply ingrained that you're just activated, right? So there is no, you know, there is no miracle pill just saying, well, I'm not going to give my power away to anyone, but, but, but you just do it anyway, right? So the only way to reverse that equation, again, it always, it's always the same answer. It's mm-hmm. like, go within, go within. Well, and I mean, you know, you can't, no one can make you feel any way. Okay. So if somebody's triggering you, there's something inside of you yeah, that is you. being triggered. It's within you. And you have to take responsibility for that rather than blaming the other person. Right. And it can be very, very, it can be very, 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 um, uh, confusing 
you know, because, you know, the ego is like, but, but, you know, she does always say that to me. She does always ask me that. And, you know, why can't I be enough when I'm single or why do I have to be a baby or have a baby in order to be valid? So it, it is kind of confusing, uh, but it's only confusing because your ego has tricked you into thinking that that's who you are, that this personality, you know, setup is who you are. And when you start to expand your view just a little bit and understand that, life is greater. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And so, you know, I'm old enough now to know I've seen the soul groups incarnate. I've seen the one degree of separation between certain people coming around. Um, I've had my intense triggers in my life, both my spiritual teachers and family members. Um, and one, and I've seen over time and, and some of those were so painful to me. So I'm not, making light of the task at hand. This is a very, very difficult practice. It's not easy. But, um, you know, I, I think at the beginning, you have to have boundaries because you have to feel safe. And then after that, you can start to explore how can I take responsibility for my life and for the circumstances in my life. And, you know, we all are living exactly the life that we have created for ourselves. It's informed by past karma, past lifetimes, our deeds, our merits, our, you know, our mistakes. Uh, so it's not an accident that you're sitting where you're sitting right now. It is, you know, it's actually a science. It is, it is universal law from where you're well, sitting right now. Direct result of every action you've ever taken. Mm -hmm. So, but one really interesting thing, uh, really amazing perspective. I've had this amazing blessing in that I am now writing my own memoir and, uh, and I've been writing for years. I, I wrote, you know, for the last two years and now I've thrown all that out and now I'm writing sort of from another perspective, but I've been really deeply going into my life and really exploring, uh, a lot of events and experience and issues and relationships. And some of them, as we all do, I had sort of, uh, put taken out and put in a corner somewhere or put some place and hadn't really gone into them that deeply, maybe because I had something I, I didn't want to look at or uh, something that I didn't think that was um, would be uh, helpful for my children to know about me um, or uh, some experience that, uh, you know, I, I had sort of, um, what I want to say, like marginalized or, uh, or sort of uh, summed up in a, in a way that I could, I could hold it. And so now that I've unpacked my entire life, which is uh, a full life, you know, definitely being, you know, married three times and having, you know, five kids and, you know, doing, being, having all the professions that I've had in my life, being the wife of Ultraman, uh, sitting in front of me, um, uh, one of the amazing things that I have learned is that the a lot of the people that I had the most intense experiences with have in fact been the most significant people in my life. And I see the threads repeated, like not just one time, but maybe three times, or maybe this person that was so difficult held this energy that I had to unpack and I had to unravel and I'm seeing them behind the personality in their divine essence. And I'm, and I'm realizing the profound nature of it. And so I just want to share from my perspective, I am, I am uh, very connected to yogi lineage and um, I happen to uh, find a great 
uh, roadmap in the science of Vedic astrology. It's different than Western astrology, um, and it's it's a very specific um, uh, sort of uh, predisposition of your life that is so specific that it shows your marriages, it shows your children, it shows many, many, many things in your chart. And recently, um, uh, I had a reading with this legend named Chakrapani, and he's in his 80s now. And he is, you know, one of the great Vedic astrologers happens to live in LA. And I went to him and and had a a session. um, And it was really, really beautiful. Uh, But what he shared with me, and it's funny, because I've written in my memoir, that I did not really have a happy childhood. If you listen to podcasts um, that, you know, I've been on, guested on, a lot of times I speak to that and I say, yeah, I just, I really didn't have a happy childhood. You know, my family was nice enough. It's not that I wasn't fed or taken care of, but I was literally waiting to leave them. Like, I just feel like I spent you know, all that time looking at the clock, like, when can I leave? Okay. And, uh, and the other aspect that I had is that um, I have not had a very close relationship with my father in this lifetime. Again, he was always there, always provided my parents are still married, but uh, I just did not have a closeness with my father. Um, and it has been a source of great pain for me and, uh, and one that I have worked very hard to overcome and to reconcile. Uh, but, it, but it was very, very interesting what Chakrapani told me um, during my reading and um, many things he told me, but one specific thing that he told me was he looked at my planets and he said, so uh, you did not have a possibility in your chart for a happy childhood. It's just not here. It's simply not in the planets. And he said, uh, he said it was okay, but uh, just not not that good. And I and I laughed and I said, yes, uh, that's true. And he said, I know because I'm looking at your chart. Then he told me that my chart this lifetime, there was no opportunity for a close relationship with my father. It simply was not there in the in this predisposition of my planets when I came into a birth. And so we laughed together and he said, you know, so many people go to years of therapy to figure out why they didn't have a close relationship with their father. And there's all this blame and personal trauma and all this, you know, all this pain over it. And when you see something like this tool and you can look at it and it's just, it's just a fact. So it wasn't that my dad was a bad dad. It was that at my level, when whoever it was that designed my life, when I came into my life, my life was designed in that order. And what I'm learning from writing my memoir is that that key relationship, the fact that I didn't have a good relationship with my father, informed my life work later on. And so it was always meant to be that way. And as a result, um, I have healed with my father. Um, Wonderfully, he's still alive. He's 92 years old. Um, he played harmonica on one of my tracks on my record. Um, and just before we went and traveled to Europe, he called me, uh, because he didn't think he was going to be alive when I got back. And he said, um, I want to tell you that I love you and that you were a great daughter. And, you know, we cried together and I, I had waited my whole life for my father to say that to me. And, you know, I told him, I said, dad, I said, even though you and I didn't, didn't really feel aligned to the same things. You know, I'm a yogi, he's a hunter. 
you know, uh, and, and we, we couldn't have been more polar opposite. And uh, many things that, that I did were very, very upsetting to him. Um, and I said, Dad, I said, even though we didn't, we didn't have the same perspective on life, I said, everything is created from a divine perspective. And you were the perfect dad for me. And I love you and I honor you and thank you. And I said, you and I are going to meet on the other side and we're going to have a big laugh about this. And, and I said, you're going to see that I'm right. There's no death. And he laughed and he said, I hope you're right. <laughs> but anyway, so it's a perspective. And when you look at it like that and when you can start to pull away out of these little small um, perspectives of, of human, you know, of, of, of humanness, human personality, um, there's many more uh, areas that we can glean a more expanded uh, take. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I that I take from that beautiful story, thank you, uh, is you know this pressure that we put on ourselves to to you know make sure that the relationships in our family and extended family are intact and functional and healthy, right? And for many people, they're not. You know, like there there there's something dysfunctional about it, or there's a distance, or there's something that's preventing you know siblings from being closer, or you know whatever it is, your relationship with your dad. And, and one of the things that I see in recovery a lot is people struggling with this and then getting to a place of saying, of coming to, to a place of, 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 of understanding, like I'm in a family with this person, but 
that doesn't mean that it's mandatory that I be in a relationship with them if it's unhealthy, if it's unhealthy for me and not productive for them, right? I can make that choice. It's not a mandate that I have uh, a close relationship with everyone in my family. And for some people in some instances, and not for everybody, of course, uh, it's okay to make peace with that. Like you can't force it to be something that it's not or it's never going to be. And to relieve yourself of that pressure, uh, because I think it's a burden that a lot of people carry with them and then use to flog themselves. Like, why can't I make this work? What's wrong with me? Or, or blaming the other person. Why can't they see me the other way? And I think in certain situations, it's okay to just be like, it is what it is. And uh, to just ex- you know, be in a place of acceptance of that relationship, never kind of getting on the footing that you would like it to be on. Yeah. And, you know, in this life, uh, in, in this realm that we live in, there are many, many aspects of light and also of dark. And it's all sort of designed for our evolution and for our learning and our expansion and, and to recognize that you have loaded issues with somebody or intensity or negative gnarly energy, just to be, you know, really blunt about it. Um, doesn't mean that you can't honor that energy. You can't recognize it as something divine. You know, just be something divine doesn't mean it's always smells of roses. You know, it's uh, it's all here. It's the it's the entire life. It's a full life. That is what living is. It's embracing all of it, the light and the dark, and finding a way to integrate it and to gain the awareness to actually move in to a place of observation beyond the dark and the light and the highs and the lows. Um, so uh, again, just because you have a loaded relationship with somebody or something intense has happened, doesn't take away um, the divine nature of their presence in your life. Because often the, the difficult aspects are the things that teach us more, trans, you know, transform us more. And I haven't even fully unraveled the sacred role that my father and my relationship has played in my life because I'm getting to new and new and new levels of it. But um, just, you know, just in the past month, I've, I've gained a, a more expanded awareness and it's increased my love and my compassion for him and my honor for him. And I know that in, in the spirit realm, we will, we will meet because for him to have been my father, there had to be uh, a love there. There had to be an agreement for something quite profound between us two. And Mm so, you know, I find great freedom in that, in that perspective. Um, and you know, I could sit here and tell you how right you are that aunt Betty is, you know, a jerk and that she's, you know, she's completely annoying, but that's not going to help you lift out of that experience. Mm -hmm. And so while, while what I'm sharing may seem, you know, uh, maybe foreign to somebody or may seem, you know, a, a little out of your comfort zone, Uh, you know, I offer this perspective because this kind of perspective is what will lift us out of, uh, of this sort of hamster wheel and allow us to break into uh, more expanded states of being. Yeah. I mean, I think I would just add one kind of additional thought to that, which is, um, 
you know, the idea that, that these loaded relationships or these triggers that, you know, we tend to experience with increased frequency over the holiday period are all opportunities, right? They're opportunities for growth. And that doesn't mean that you have to embrace all of them. Sometimes it's appropriate to avoid them, like we talked about with self-care. Um, and in other instances, it's appropriate to engage them and try to, you know, reverse the script and navigate it in a new and healthier way and to, you know, kind of leverage each one of these exchanges or, or occurrences as an opportunity to really learn something about yourself. And, you know, from a recovery perspective, <clears throat> usually, you know, these relationships are, are loaded with all kinds of resentments, right? And resentments are really toxic and poisonous to the soul, to the individual who harbors them. And they are particularly toxic for somebody who suffers from the disease of alcoholism. They're what take you out. They are, you know, really the gasoline on the flame that is, uh, you know, the death knoll for the alcoholic. You know, it's, recovery is all about like freeing yourself of these resentments, right? So if you're harboring these resentments, it's an opportunity to heal yourself and free yourself from, the, you know, the, the chains, the prison that these frustrations and resentments cause in your own life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a beautiful practice is when, when you're faced with this, what if you made an intention for the first thing that you say is thank you? What about what, when aunt Betty says, when are you getting married? That you say, thank you, aunt Betty for saying that. And then, or for a week before you're going to see aunt Betty, pray for her every night and just like put all of your intention on good for aunt Betty and just be wishing her well and, mm. and trying to cultivate like a different perspective of who she is. I see a little you bit of, like I know I see a little bit of, of, uh, of problem with that because if you're not, if you are not in a clear place to really wish aunt Betty, well, you'll step in some complications with that. So, but sometimes acting as if is what can be the first step to getting to that place. Yeah. Um, mm, I don't know. It, 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 it wouldn't be my choice. It wouldn't be my advice. My advice would be to keep your boundary intact, keep yourself safe. And then when the behavior comes up, understand that it's there for your transformation and receive it as such. Say, thank you. Don't mm -hmm. personalize it and don't, don't give her a lot of power. And also don't put your, yourself in a position where you're, where you're offering your energy um, to heal her of something because um, uh, that just can get a little sticky. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that. Okay. But you could try it. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think that, that the distinction would be, or just a kind of the caveat to that would be, if you are going to engage in that practice that I just mentioned, it, it can't be coming from a place of... of, of a desire for that person to be different. You know, it has to be still coming from a place of accepting them how they are and wishing them well, but not doing it like, I wish Aunt Betty well, you know, if she would just not ask me that again or, or be different than she usually is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, well, let's wrap it up, but I want to kind of close it down with um, maybe, you know, a couple things, two or three things that, people can think about or 
do uh, when they're preparing to kind of enter the holiday season or a party or something like that? Like when they're getting ready to walk into one of these places that we've been talking about, what are some really, you know, sort of simple but powerful tools that they can use that you think in your experience would be helpful? Well, first of all, I would say um, make sure that you have your nutrition uh, handled. So I would say first thing is have a green drink. Uh, before you're going to go. The second thing that I would say is take... Not a martini? No, not a martini. (laughs) But, you know, I know some people like that, but that's just not in our program, is it? Um, And the second thing that I would suggest is that, uh, you know, you really practice your self-care. So you need to get yourself to yoga. You need to go on that bike ride. You need to, um, you know, you need to do whatever you need to do to make sure that you've done your housekeeping. So, uh, so green drink, uh, good nutrition, fuel, and, and of course, moving your body because all of this trauma actually um, gets uh, caught up in your physical body. So as you can move your, your body, you can help to clear some of the trauma. Um, and then thirdly is just simply taking a moment. You know, um, it's a practice. Uh, before I ever have anybody come to my home, whenever somebody is coming over, uh, I always go into meditation and I prepare the space for to welcome them, to bring them here. So, and that can be in your own way. You know, you don't need permission to pray. You don't need a format to pray, but you can just say, you know, my highest aspect of myself and all the energies working uh, in this realm, um, you know, please prepare the space to welcome my guests. And uh, I want to activate and intend for the highest divine alignment in order of priority as God would have it be, or as creation would have it be, or the force. I'm not talking about religion. I'm just talking about spiritual energies. So, um, you can set the intention and, and, and then identify the qualities that you want to experience. I, you know, I, I want to experience peace and beauty and creativity and love and communion and grace enjoy. You can activate all of those things and then, um, wrap it in a bunch of gratitude before you go, you know, and this could be in your own space or before you're going someplace. And when you walk in, be in a state of gratitude and understand that everybody's just playing a role in this crazy movie that we're all in. And so there are no bad guys or good guys. Like we're just all in the soup together. And if you get triggered, uh, look at why you're triggered. <laughs> Take the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. You know, look at while you're triggered and, and, and be like a child, like with wonder, like, whoa, check that out. Like, wow, I have some resistance to that. You know, what is there? Like, do I need to forgive myself for not having children? Or do I need to forgive myself for not, you know, not finding my soulmate yet? You know, uh, because it all really goes back to us. And if you were cool with it, you know, if Aunt Betty said that, it wouldn't trigger you. And, and probably one step further, she probably wouldn't say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it probably would never even be said. So again, these are very difficult. I mean, I have had, you know, massive, massive explosions with human human relationships, <laughs> probably more than anybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm writing about these in my book, you know, so someone will take get, you know, entertainment value out of them for sure. But it, it's profound to me, um, the level of trauma and how associate, you know, how closely tied it is to people that have been very significant in my life and significant in our family and the evolution. So it's quite interesting, I think, um, to explore human life from this perspective. And I think there's great opportunity for growth and expansion. And um, it's a beautiful thing. It's not always fun, but mm. it is beautiful. It is. 
Thanks for doing that. Thanks for having me, Rich yeah, Roll. I think we did it. I think we did it. We didn't We didn't exactly talk it all out. We could talk about this forever, I think, but uh, <clears throat> I feel like we offered a few helpful tidbits to mm-hmm. help people through the holidays. Maybe we'll do more on holiday stuff as we progress through Hopefully. the next month, right? I think we should get into relationship stuff. All right, we can do that. <laughs> so, but anyway, next. yeah, so um, yeah, wishing everybody uh, an amazing Thanksgiving and I uh, hope you guys are eating some beautiful, vibrant, healthy food and taking advantage of some of uh, my Thanksgiving dishes in the Plant Power Way. Just pointing out, uh, you have ginger cranberry sauce and gluten-free stuffing. Um, two, two kinds of potatoes, mashed potatoes and cauliflower mashed potatoes. Of course, cashew cheese would find a place somewhere. Vegan pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly one of the other pies like Rich's birthday apple pie could be amazing. Um, and many, 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 many other things. Caesar salad. Uh, so anyway, hopefully you found, uh, some abundance and some, uh, vibrance in your holiday table and meal plan this year. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and we've been sending out emails with, uh, with some holiday recipes, uh, to our subscriber list. So if you're not on that, uh, subscribe to my newsletter, just go to richroll.com and I'm never going to spam you. It's just basically it's just updates about the podcast and then the occasional free recipe or additional thoughts just kind of exclusive content. So. Yeah, and we're also running a sale with Mind Body Green on mm. our on our nutrition course. Um, and also um, you can, of course, get a copy of our book as well. Right. So, yeah, The Ultimate Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition, which is at mindbodygreen.com under video courses. It's like three and a half hours of streaming video content. It's on sale. Do you know what the, the price reduction is? I think it's 30% is? off, it's 30% off and it's off. through the 1st of December. <clears throat> right. So for this week. So check that out. Um, you can find Julie online at Srimati, S-R-I-M-A-T-I, mostly on Instagram. You do Twitter, but Instagram's like your jam. Instagram is right? the place. And Srimati.com is her blog and music website. And this is the point where I always talk about where I'm going to be appearing, but I'm done traveling now for a it's while. It's going to be appearing so <clears throat> I'm going to be in our appearing home in our own, with his in children my own home. and his wife. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and for all your plant power needs, of course, go to ritual.com. You can check out Julie's meditation program, humming meditation, very helpful practice as we enter into the holidays in terms of, you know, creating that uh, healthy boundary and sealing your field. I highly suggest that. Um, we've got some nutrition products, 100% organic cotton garments, tech tees, all kinds of cool stuff. Go to richworld.com uh, and you can find all that stuff there. And keep sending in the questions for future Q&A podcast to info at richworld.com. Uh, and what else? I think that uh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I just wanted to take us out um, with another tool, actually. It's going to be a, a, a humming track. Um, and it is a, a sample of what is actually in the, in the meditation program, um, except this one has some uh, bee swarms, um, and nature sounds superimposed on it, but it's actually 13, uh, tracks of my voice, um, in a humming, uh, meditation. And, um, it's quite calming and, uh, and quite soothing. And what happens so, if someone's like driving their car right now probably, or like on the treadmill? Hopefully they won't like totally <laughs> like, just fall asleep. Are you sure that's what you want to Yeah, Yeah, it it's here? fine. It's only like a minute and a half cause I cut it down. You know, I just okay. cut it down. It's just like a little sort of closer to the album from Jai Home, but it's, it's really beautiful and, and possibly you could, uh, just, uh, listen to it in the car before you go into that holiday, um, dinner and be, and be ready. Right. All right, cool. 
Awesome. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Rock on, and we'll be back with you in a couple days. That's right. All right. Peace. Plants. Namaste.